Um, today's message is not quite about motherhood. <laughs> uh, let's see. These uh, terms, uh, celebrating victory. I retitled today's message, Celebrate Victory. And even some of the uh, verbiage from the songs that Gary wrote. Victory. Victory over what? Wow, victory over the grave and death. Celebrating victory. When do we need hope? Hope is such a nice term, isn't it? Hope, love, joy. But when do you need love and joy in times of chaos? When do you need peace, God's peace, in times of turmoil? When do we need hope in times of desperation? So the prodigal son story, the story of the lost coin, lost sheep, and lost sons, speak of going off to a far-off land and... uh, It gives us instructions that we can celebrate victory from our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And I'll be touching on from self-medication to perfectionism to codependency. So we learned that the prodigal son, when he uh, decided to turn toward home, he took step one. That was he humbled himself. He admitted, like the Apostle Paul Uh, What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. He uh, came to a realization of reality. So today we're going to talk about hope. And I believe these uh, steps are found within the story of the prodigal son and especially his return home. Uh, The repentance of the younger son is he demonstrates that he stopped running toward pleasure and especially away from pain. He stopped running toward pleasure, and we don't really know why he ran away, right, from home, but we can maybe read into he had some discontent, unrest in his soul that he wanted to, what we call, what the addiction world called use, right? Using. That's what they call using a substance abuse. But he stopped uh, running in full repentance, running away from pain. The fallen world of sin of self, maybe. Maybe it was his own failures, his own particular failings. Maybe it was the sin of others, abuse, physical, emotional, neglect, racism, discrimination. Without hope, I think there's just relapse. Without hope... There's relapse. Most addictions, if you talk to people that are uh, well into addiction, it's pretty much a self-medication process. Yes, they may be running toward pleasure. We talked about that. That may be a draw toward particular addictions and compulsions. But often it's a self-medication process away from pain, whatever that is. Without without hope, maybe... uh, what we tend to do is self-medicate. If we personally can't relate to, you know, addictions and compulsions, maybe there's some more socially acceptable things that we tend to do. And I just labeled them under neuroses. (laughs) Okay? Controlling, right? 
you know, people like that in your family. You can see that in yourself. Controlling people, what I like to call, controlling people, places, or things. That's what we tend to do. Yeah, I see some head nods. Controlling people. Yeah, that's bringing up a lot of emotions, right? Places, all right, your environment. You've heard of things like OCD, right? <laughs> Obsessive compulsive disorder. Okay, maybe you like having your place clean, but, you know, cleaning four, five, six times, you know, in a row, that's probably obsessive. Sometimes it relates to food, but even more so relationships. Uh, when I was uh, a pastoral counselor some, a lifetime ago, I used to say, uh, I used to feel sorry for those that were using substances, substance abuse. I used to really feel sorry for them. But I th thought about it as I talked to some folks. Uh, I feel bad that they're using a substance, right? It's a place or a thing. It's a thing that they're doing. But even more so, even more so that, that gripped my heart is when people started using people instead of just alcohol, right? They call it abusing alcohol. But even more so, uh, my heart went out when people would use other people. There are certain terms for that, codependency, controlling, etc. And uh, often it's with a shame-based culture, what I call uber codes of conduct, such as ultra-conservative religion. Religion can get into that. Cults, extreme rules. We talked about the Jesus Movement movie. And uh, we know that um, many offshoots can become cult-like, right? Um, cultural extremism, uh, cultural-wide, communism, the Third Reich, Middle East sects have extreme codes of conduct. Um, anybody, any of you uh, have visited Japan? Donovan's trying to visit Japan. None of you have been to Japan? A couple of you, yeah. Fascinating uh, uh, culture. People are so polite. It's amazing. It's clean. It's such a stark <laughs> contrast from America. But uh, one of the strange things I remember there was, you know, the shoe thing, right? There's clean and there's unclean. Where you step, uh, you're supposed to wear certain slippers, there's slippers for inside the house. There's shoes for the outside. There's slippers to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> and if you wear the wrong ones, it's like, oh, I'm doing something wrong, you know? Obviously, people try to control their environment. But without step two, hope, I believe there's relapse. Um, just briefly, uh, those of us that saw... Uh, the Jesus Revolution, it's a Christian movie that's out about the hippie movement and the rise of uh, the Jesus freaks that came out of that, supposedly they called them. Greg, Pastor Greg Laurie uh, was raised by an alcoholic mother who was married over like six times uh, with broken marriages. And so he grew up as a little kid, at worst, having abusive stepfathers to at best absent stepfathers. And part of the story that told some of his life was him running, running away to self-medicate with drugs and alcohol.
Let's talk about perfectionism a little bit. Um, perfectionism is kind of a, a neurosis, I, I would say, even a cultural thing that's maybe deep in uh, Asian American roots as well. Perfectionism, I'll just read briefly, is a drive to appear, feel, and be perfect. Society generally views perfectionism with some positive attributes, but they can be very negative as well. A perfectionist will hone in on imperfections and have trouble seeing anything else. They're more judgmental, harder on themselves and others. Perfectionist has highly excessive personal standards and overly can be overly self-critical. I thought this was interesting. This is from verywellmind.com, if you want to look that up. These days you could Google anything, but uh, this was interesting. Perfectionists tend to feel pushed toward their perfectionism by fear. I thought that was kind of interesting. High achievers, however, are often pulled, pulled toward their goals by a desire to achieve them. I thought that was an interesting distinction. They are also happy with the steps made in the right direction. However, perfectionists, on the other hand, tend to be pushed by fear of anything less than a perfectly met goal. A couple causes of perfectionism, the fear of judgment, disapproval, early childhood experiences, such as having parents that are unrealistic with very high expectations, having a mental health condition such as OCD, poor self-esteem, having inadequacy, need for control, and tying your self-worth to achievements. How many of you can relate to a couple of these, right? I know a lot of our upbringings were like that. This is kind of interesting. They offered some how to overcome perfectionism. I added without God, okay? So this is kind of the self-help that I read from this. And follow along. Create an environment where you feel accepted. <laughs> you do that. Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> Create an environment where you feel accepted. Engage with positive self-talk. Not, try not to compare yourself to others. Practice mindfulness. Using the techniques of cognitive behavioral therapy. So, there you go. There's, 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 there's the answer. <laughs> I thought it was quite interesting. Now, certainly, some of those things are, you know, basic sound advice, right? But uh, I like the first one especially. Well, create a positive environment where you feel accepted. Okay, that'll, that'll solve all your problems. So this is certainly without God, without... Uh, they're very much, this is, uh, you know, has a humanism behind it, you know, psychology, counseling, and things like that. Heal yourself, positive self-talk, as if uh, you can heal all these things yourself. But it certainly denies Romans 7, right? We discussed that last week. Took a deep dive. I hope, hope uh, one or two of you read that once or twice on your own. The tongue twister of the Apostle Paul saying, what I want to do, I don't do. But what I don't want to do, I end up doing. His, his realistic, sober evaluation of human nature 
in his own life that he was seen. And it denies creation, fall, and redemption. That's basically our uh, Christian worldview, if you wanted to know what that was like in three letters. Creation, fall, and redemption. But it denies the fall. So in the wonderful thing about the prodigal son story that I get excited about, like the title of today's message, is celebrate victory. Who doesn't want to celebrate who doesn't want victory? And so what's exciting is I see in the prodigal son story practical steps toward healing, practical steps toward victory over sin of self and maybe others. The Apostle Paul laments, who will rescue us from this insanity? So step two. The prodigal son came to believe that a power greater than himself could restore him to sanity. What did he do? He mourned reality, and he decided to go home. He mourned reality with the hope of healing and reconciliation. He didn't trade one addiction for another. Well, maybe he did when he was in that far-off land, right? Maybe he did trade one false god for another. But finally, he discovered, even at my father's house, there's food, there's sustenance, versus the temptation even to use people, places, or things. I'm going to play a a video clip of a song that Kelly Clarkson uh, sang. It's how we can be hurt by humans and healed over time, and yet if you're overly dependent on humans, becoming hurt again. So this is a song called Peace by Peace. I set this up uh, describing this is what happens when we put too much faith in humans can often break our hearts. Kelly Clarkson's father was an absentee father when she was six. And her uh, manager husband became someone who helped restore her piece by piece. The sad story of it all is 2000. 2020, 2020, he ended up divorcing her when their little ones, because she's pregnant, was six or seven as well. So the cycle continues. True repentance, the prodigal son demonstrates turning to life and food. The question is, are we ready to turn Toward about, torn, turn to God where there's food? Have we mourned reality? Maybe our false gods left and neglected us. Are we ready to stop running from pain, stop controlling people, places, and things? Step one is to humbly admit every time that there's a hurt, habit, or hang-up, or failure. Is to Seek and have hope 
like the prodigal son did. He came to his senses, realizing that even the servants at home had food to spare. Step three is having a decision. After controlling people, places, and things, he said, I will set out and go back on my own to my father and say to him. So he got up and he went to his father. I'm going to steal the title of that song and piece by piece, piece by piece, God restores the prodigal son. He puts a robe of distinction on him, a ring of authority, and sandals of son and daughtership. So as we close, let's uh, listen and sing along and uh, pray along to these last closing songs that I picked that I thought uh, might be meditative and that we'll have some fellowship time together. All right, I hope that was uh, touched your heart like the songs touched mine. And I encourage you even to uh, play back that Kelly Clarkson song, Piece by Piece, now that you know the background to the story. She was stored, restored piece by piece. But now listen to it back again, but substituting our, our Heavenly Father that could restore us. Uh, not fully dependent on any human relationship. So thank you for your kind attention. Let's uh, close in prayer. God, we thank you that uh, we can look to your word, the stories of the prodigal son, and, and see a depiction of the gospel within the gospel, a uh, real-life story uh, that can touch so many of us, of practical steps how the prodigal son found salvation through a humble heart, through having hope and a father that even at his father's house, there's food. And so God, help us to not be tempted by the false gods of this world, people, places, things to fill us. God, we thank you that we can come to you and piece by piece, you give us a robe of distinction, ring of authority, and sandals restoring us as your precious sons and daughters. God, we thank you that we have the hope of celebrating victory over uh, the sin and failures of self and even of this world, God. So we look to you that even life and death that you've conquered the grave. So these things we ask and pray, and we thank you for your love, and we thank you for the fellowship of uh, sharing and caring for one another here in this church and celebrating Mother's Day and the nurturing that uh, our mother figures have had in our lives, and if not our physical mothers, um, our parents, God, those even in the church, our extended families, God, how you have used other people in our lives, um, teachers, mentors, coaches, to mentor and nurture us. So we thank you for those kind faces that we see in this church as well.
So in your son's name we pray, and all gets people said, amen.